0: is the fantasy road show
1: welcome in everybody this is another episode of the fantasy road show we are your hosts my name is ryan this is mike culls you can find me on twitter at fantasy underscore trucker you can find him on twitter at culls underscore sports mike how are you doing today buddy we are live oh i always forget we are live live uh, live 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 live. live.
0: um I am doing good um excited to kick off a different sector of fantasy football I know we've been talking a lot of dynasty had our first guest in yesterday which was a great success uh have another guest that we're very excited about today um he's got a lot of experience in underdog and best ball um so we're gonna get into some best ball just kind of a little bit intro here Um, Over the next couple days, which we're excited, I think we're going to be doing an installment of Best Ball Fridays every Friday. Um, So going to try to, you know, get in some tips, tricks, what we look at when we see uh, draft boards and kind of get started on that end.
1: Yeah, this is a great way to kick it off. Um, You know, having uh, this guy, our guest on today is uh, is crucial just to kind of give an introduction for the people that don't know what best ball is or who's never played it. Um, We just recently, you know, started playing this year. So um, I know I learned a lot from this conversation with him and uh, I hope everybody else does as well. So uh, we're excited to get into it and uh, everybody buckle up. All right, everybody, we are back again uh, with our second guest. Second, second, ever, yeah, second <laughs> ever guest. Yeah, second ever guest. We got a special one here. Uh, co-owner of the Triple Play Fantasy, contributor at the Fantasy Pros and 33rd team, David Mendelson. How you doing, Dave?
2: Hey, I'm good, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Two is actually my favorite number, so I'm honored to be your guys' second guest. Yeah. Saw so I followed the great Scott Bogman, so uh, Boggs is a, a great guy and uh, pumped to be joining you guys today.
0: Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks a lot for, uh, you know, we've only been at this for two and a half weeks or so, and you were nice enough to uh, come come on and join us as our second guest. So uh, we're very thankful for that. And um, yeah, man, let's get into it. So uh, I think just kind of lay the land for uh, listeners where you're from, uh, who your favorite
2: team is, and kind of get into it from there. So I originally grew up in Maryland. last August I moved to New Jersey with my wife and uh so I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan which is weird because neither of these areas are affiliated with the Kansas City Chiefs but originally growing up in Maryland from a you know I'd uh, been the Redskins at that time didn't like the Redskins didn't like Dan Schneider mostly that was kind of the big reason I didn't want to become a fan so I said what's a team with similar color schemes and also I guess it was kind of like the Indian type of transition. I was like, they're, they're very similar to each other at the time. The Chiefs were not good. So I was like, seems to me like the perfect alternative. And that was back 2005. So ever since then, I've been a diehard. And obviously the times have been yeah. pretty good
0: recently. <laughs> yeah, congratulations. Uh, <laughs> that's very convenient uh, being from the East Coast and joining that team. And now here we are today. Um, one thing that uh, we did with Boggs we'd love to do with you is Uh, and our guests moving forward is kind of give us your speed thoughts on the fantasy outlook for your favorite team. Um, And, you know, I I think uh, the wide receiver room is probably the most uh, interesting. So very very excited, very
2: excited to get your thoughts there and see,
0: see see what you
2: think. Yeah. I mean, Uh, analysis on Patrick Mahomes. If he's not the QB one at the very worst, he'll probably be a top three or four quarterback. So everybody that's listening to this, they know that, so they don't need to hear that. Um, The running back room, I think, is also a little bit interesting. Pacheco obviously popped up on the pup. They said he won't expect it to miss any time, you know, going into the season, but it is kind of an interesting thing to keep an eye on. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is going to be his last year in Kansas City, so I'm sure they'll give him some work and kind of eat into some of Pacheco's work as well you know they brought in Jarek McKinnon back so you know he's going to get his receptions and get you know spell uh Pacheco at times as well I think a dark horse to watch in that backfield is generic Prince yeah he was at the very very end the Chiefs took him in the seventh round I believe and he has the same type of workout measurables that Isaiah Pacheco has kind of someone that stands out that Uh, you look at just their workout stuff and they're like, oh man, like this guy should have gone higher. Um, so he's a lot of raw talent. I don't know if we'll see it right away. Uh, but he's a name just to kind of stash in the back of your minds that if, you know, there's an injury in the backfield or ineffectiveness by multiple backs, I would not be surprised to see him get some carries this season. Uh, if, you know, if shakes out that way in terms of the wide receiver room, like you said, uh, it's definitely the most interesting thing I think we're keeping an eye on right now. Uh, I think. At this point, it's kind of like last season, you know, you're taking dart throws. You know, some people were Juju Smith Schuster people, other people were taking shots on MVS. Uh, you know, it's just you know, all around. I think as it stands today, if Kadarius Toney is healthy, Kadarius Toney is going to be the number one wide receiver in terms of receptions on that team. Will that translate to touchdowns? Will that translate to the most fantasy points? I can't tell you that specifically. I can tell you, I think if he's healthy, he will be the number one wide receiver in terms of receptions but we've seen kadarius tony over the last few years health is a big question mark with him so i do not think when the season is all said and done that he will be healthy for all 17 games and i think when it comes down to it who is going to actually lead the team in receptions is sky moore i think a year in the system and he's really been making strides he's been you know you've seen all season workouts with patrick mahomes throwing to him he's one I expect to take the biggest leap out of this wide receiver room, him more than Rasheed Rice, who just actually just struggling today in in um, workouts. Him over MVS, who he is what he is. This guy more to me. If Darius Tony does not stay healthy, will be the guy you want on your fantasy teams. Wow. I
0: love that. What about what, what about Rasheed Rice? What, what do we expect from the rookie?
2: I'm not expecting much. The Chiefs' offense is so complex. We saw it last year with sky Moore. That's A great point it, it takes a, a lot for a rookie wide receiver that's not highly drafted we i mean obviously we saw jeremy macklin and you know the or with the uh, eagles do it with andy Reid when he was coaching there but you have to in most cases i think be a, a pretty like special wide receiver obviously drafted with very good draft capital to make an impact in Andy Reid's system from day one. I I think Rasheed Rice, there could be a random week. He maybe has five catches for 70 yards and two touchdowns. Like, I would not say that's impossible. But I would say if you're going to trust Rasheed Rice on your roster week to week, I do not see that happening in his rookie season. I think he's going to take some time to adjust. And that's going to be where Sky Moore is able to have had that year working with Mahomes and having those chances to learn the system. And Sky Moore is going to take that leap this season. And I think he's the one you'll want for sure.
0: Now the hard-hitting question, how many years left for Travis Kelsey? All oh, the man. <laughs> we all want to know. All the dynasty, oh, man.
2: All the dynasty players want to know that, right? I feel like we say every year, okay, this is the year that he's still going to be good. He's just not going to be peak Travis Kelsey, right? I think I'm done questioning that. And I think as long as the Chiefs don't have wide receivers that are severely going to take away targets from him which again in this team there's some good players there's not an alpha wide receiver one on this team i think he's safe to say at least this year and i would say probably next year just he if you listen to their podcast he's very smart he takes care of his body he also you know there's joke around that he does that he tries to avoid the big hits he goes down that's what he does man like he's not a, he's not a gronk type of tight end he's not the tight end, the tight end that's seeking You know, uh, to ram someone over and get an extra five yards, he settles in a zone and then he'll get it and then he'll run and or, you know, he'll drop once he catches it in the zone or, you know, he'll kind of glide and and kind of, you know, the way he plays tight end is very different. So I think that that way, I think safe to say he'll have another year or two where I think he'll be very dominant.
0: Yeah, Ryan and I have had this debate on the podcast and I kind of came up with the same like two to three years of being you know, effective. And then like my one point, which is probably scary to hear being a cheese fan, but it's like <laughs> at his age, when he had that back injury late last year, like everyone was worried, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. backs are no jokes. So if he suffers a bad knee or back injury and it's like, you know, season ending it's tough at his age to come back and then get, take that full year to get back to that level. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, so that's definitely the one, you know, pending a bad injury, I think you're you're safe with two solid seasons and a third and just kind of seeing
2: where they're at. It, they can be in a totally different place in, you know, two, three years, right? So, yeah. I will say this. He also said on his podcast that he's not going to linger. He said, when, I, when I'm done and I'm not playing at an elite level, I'm retiring. Like he, he came out and said he doesn't want to be one of those guys that's just lingering around. Like if I'm not playing at the level I'm accustomed to playing, I'm going to retire. So that's why I'm, I'm very confident that, like, if we start seeing a, a severe drop off from him, that he won't be afraid to call it quits, that he's not going to be somebody that you're going to draft. And then he just all of a sudden no shows. So that that's yeah. also like kind of gave me some encouragement. I'm like, okay, like, if he's coming back every year, he feels pretty close to himself.
1: Yeah. To me, if they, if they don't get another, uh, you know, elite wide receiver or an elite wide receiver at all, I, I just don't see how he doesn't have these amazing seasons. I mean, he's, he's putting up historic numbers and if there's any, like if there's any time I'm going to get caught holding a bag in fantasy football, I'm, I'm going to get caught holding that bag. I'm going to ride him until he's the wheels fall him. off. It's uh, you know, he's just, I don't
2: see him slowing down ever. It's just with Patrick Mahomes, yeah. he just gets it done. That's right. I mean, and, and the elite tight ends, they stick around for a while. I mean, Antonio Gonzalez or Tony Gonzalez is the biggest example of that. He, well, he was like 36 18 years. Yeah. 18 yeah, like, years in the NFL. Played a while. Antonio Gates. Gates the last yeah. years weren't oh, pretty, yeah. but he, for most of his career, uh, I mean, Kelsey has been in the league a little bit, but not nearly as long as these guys. Yeah, and again, man. he's not, he's not grunk. Like I was saying before, like he's not somebody that's taking all these vicious hits. He usually is very smart with how and again people might call him soft and that like he's you know he's spoken about that but he was like look man like i'll I'll, you know use my body when i need to but like most of the time i'm, I'm trying to play the long game here so it's like more i'm looking at it as like a the long game smart decision type of thing so I, i'm very confident i think he's yeah. going to be a big part of this offense for at least the next two years
0: yeah well i'm always cheering for the chiefs so i'll be cheering for him again um and uh but uh let's shift focus a little bit why fantasy and how did you get to where you're at today give us that kind of background history
2: uh journey yes i started playing fantasy football i want to say it was like in seventh or eighth grade and uh, i got into it with a group of like my home friends and um and immediately i fell in love with it like you know, the competitiveness playing week to week. And then you're looking at your box scores as the Sundays go. And then you're like, Oh, my God, like, they're getting all their touchdowns, like, of course, the week I play them. And I was just like, crazy, just like how much I was getting into it. And then it was during right around when COVID started, then we had all this extra time, I, I'm a teacher. So like, I wasn't going into school, obviously, and easy to teach lessons. So we decided to make a podcast and that was where triple play started and it was originally just football, but then we morphed it into football, baseball, and basketball. And we started doing weekly pods. And then you talk to all the people in the industry who are all really friendly and just super just open, just always DMS are always available for them. And, uh, you just start falling in love with the community. And, um, as we kept networking and talking with the community, then triple play has been able to grow and, you know, we're very lucky that we've we've got over three thousand subs on YouTube and been podcasting now for about four years. You know, I think about four years, and um, yeah, it's been a, just a blessing. And uh, I just yeah, I love it. And it's again getting to meet people like yourselves and others that are all just really open, friendly, and uh, get to talk about a fun game. Obviously, it doesn't have real life implications, but uh, it just it's something fun that we all get to do. So uh, yeah, it's been pretty much my journey through it all.
0: Yeah, I love how the origin story seems to be similar for everyone. It's like right when I was introduced, absolutely hooked. And then like, you know, kind of however they got to that journey to where they're, you know, talking about it on a daily basis and so involved. um, It's, you know, it all kind of it's the same similar kind of journey to where. You know that passion just takes over, and it's like, all right, that's that's exactly what happened with Ryan and myself. We've been talking about a podcast the last couple of years, and we're just like, we just have to dive in and do it. You know, yeah. Um, so very happy we have. Um, but this is our first year um, doing best ball, doing underdog. So wanted to bring on an expert. I don't know if you consider yourself an expert, <laughs> but you're certainly involved uh, with underdog and kind of know the tips and tricks. I think you know we've done our research and know enough about fantasy football that we're we're excited. We think we'll be competitive, um, but yeah, wanted to talk tips, tricks, strategies that uh, that you have, um, that, and we'll you know we'll put in a couple a uh, couple that we've caught on and, uh, at this early point in our underdog career that we've instilled um and then get the people some late late round flyers and you know get into some of the juicy stuff so
2: yeah i mean i i love best ball uh it's kind of interesting i don't know how you guys feel about it in the sense i've kind of like have hinted that i was like i would love for our our, like our home leagues to be best ball because i was like i hate that i personally hate the decision factor and if i lose a matchup because I played the wrong wide receiver three in my lineup. And that would have made the difference. Like to me, that like eats at me so much. I'm like, if I drafted the best team, like let me get my best outcome. And that's what like best ball is. Uh, For those that are listening that have never played best ball, it's you draft a whole team. And then every single week it takes your mathematically best lineup and it puts it in for you. So you don't have to worry about the tough decisions of do I play this player or this player? No, like you drafted your team, you can't, do the waiver wire. That's the one thing. If you are a waiver wire person, there is no waiver wire in season. So you have to stock up on plenty of depth at each of these positions. But again, there's no guessing. It's all just let me watch how my team does. And obviously, uh, there is a lot of money to be made in best ball as well. So it's a absolutely fun thing that started. I feel like it's starting to become big over the last like two, three, four years. And um, it's definitely something that if you have not played in a best ball league, I would recommend you try it, especially for the fact that you can take swings at players that have huge ceilings, maybe have really low floors too. Like the, the poster boy for best ball is Deshaun Jackson when he was in his yeah. prime. Cause yeah. you would have the Deshaun Jackson, you know, five for 150 and three touchdowns. And then you might have a two for 27 game. Like, but then those huge games he's in your lineup and those bad games, he's not. So like, that's, that's the fun part about best ball. You get to take swings on guys that you think are going to have huge games in 2023
1: yeah when uh when i first heard about uh best ball i think last year i started dabbling in it here and there but i was like wait a second i draft a team and then i don't have to make the wrong decision every week this is great yeah that was what i was riddled with for so long is just um uh, you know mike likes to make fun of me i get cute sometimes and i i right at the last minute 20 minutes before kickoff i'm like oh no 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 oh no no so, um, it's, it's great, man. I love, I love the yeah. idea of best ball and I'm, uh, I'm glad we're finally diving into it, uh, head first. So we're, I'm glad to have you on that. You know what you're talking about here.
0: Yeah. So I am either like, this is my, my perfect world. I would do away with pretty much every redraft I'm in and I would either be dynasty or best ball because mm-hmm. like, don't give me the in-between, you know what I mean? Like I want to either be a GM or I want to have the best draft set it and forget it. Cheer, yep. cheer. So, you know, I think as the years go on, I'll probably kind of stray that way a little bit more. I think we're in three dynasty leagues now, and I'm in a couple of redraft, mostly with, you know, high school friends, people that we've built a like camaraderie through, um, you know, through the league. But I would like to draft a million best
2: ball rosters and have a couple dynasty and keep it like that. So. I will say guillotine is starting to catch on too. I, I am I have a guillotine league that I'm in that it, it's actually very like addicting too because uh, for those that haven't played guillotine that are listening to, it, it's the worst team every week. lowest scoring is out. and then you get to pick up all their players, but you have a certain amount of fab that you can spend on you know throughout the season. So that that to me is also starting to become bigger. and I, I definitely recommend if you've never played in a guillotine league, you do one because it's fun. Yeah, yeah, we should. Uh,
1: Mike and I were definitely talking about doing something along those lines. And uh, we've just been so busy starting this podcast. That's kind of getting put on the back burner. <laughs> yeah. But um, we'll definitely be revisiting that sometime soon.
0: Yeah. Um, so give us like, you know, you hear about stacking being one of the more common. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's gotten pretty, um, pretty mainstream here over the last couple of years. i what's so. like yeah what what is your stacking strategy what's um give us like your go-to in your perfect draft what do you is that what you're looking for is like a qb one wide receiver two like give us what your kind of stacking strategy typically looks like
2: usually if you're gonna stack you want to get it sounds kind of like you know very elementary but you're trying to get really good offenses like if I'm you know, I, do I want the stack for the Atlanta Falcons with, you know, Desmond Ritter and, and, you know, Drake London, like, or would I rather have a stack of Justin Herbert and Mike Williams, or would I rather have a stack of, you know, uh, any of those other high, more high power, like a Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews type of thing. Right. So I would say definitely when you're stacking, you want to make sure that you get pretty good offenses, offenses that are going to score a lot of points. And generally when you stack, you want to avoid, doing the quarterback running back wide receiver stack. For the most part, usually you want to do a, a quarterback and their pass catcher uh, just because all three can't score touchdowns on the same play, right? So like, you know, if, if you have a pass catching running back like Christian McCaffrey and then you pair it with Brock Purdy that's your stack, that's fine. But then I would not also try to stack a wide receiver on top of that um, genuinely when I'm making a build. Uh, If you want to stack a quarterback and two of their wide receivers, that's that's definitely okay. Again, if you're taking from the right offense, when I'm doing best ball, I know I mentioned earlier, I definitely take more swings on guys that have bigger ceilings again, could definitely bottom out and bite me and I could be one of the worst teams in the league. But that's when you can take those shots like someone like a Ken Walker last year you know, had led the league in 20 plus yard runs. Like that's the type of player you could get if you draft Ken Walker in a season long league, you might be like, well, Zach Charbonnet is there. And, uh, I don't want to touch that backfield, but Ken Walker has those explosive type of runs in his game. Uh, you could get the wide receiver that gets 20 yards a catch. Uh, and then those are going to be more valuable. Uh, I would say ultimately my strategy At the end of the day, again, the high ceiling plays is a big one. I'll stack on really good offenses and you have to build really good depth. There's a lot of great tools out there, a lot of great sites that will give you the exact numbers for each position that you should draft. But the worst thing you can do is if you don't draft enough of a position and then injuries happen and then you can't pick up free agents. So you're taking zeros in certain spots. And that's where you will have no shot at winning best ball. So like usually they recommend to take at least three quarterbacks to take at least five or six running backs. And then, you know, take like eight wide receivers and then take like two or three tight ends. I would say probably like three, tight. like again, every site you look at, they'll give you different parameters, but you want to have enough at each position where again, Hey, my first guy went down Oh, my second guy went down. Okay. I can still at least points in those positions. And that's a mistake that some people will make their first year doing it where they, only draft two tight ends and then both tight ends go down and then they yeah. can't pick anybody. Right. Or yeah. two quarterbacks, and both quarterbacks go down. So like, you just got to make sure you, you build up depth the right way.
1: Yeah. One thing I noticed um, this year, uh, diving in more and more is um, when you're drafting, when you're deciding to get either two or three quarterbacks or two or three tight ends for me, mm-hmm. it's where my first tight end and quarterback is being drafted is going to determine how many I have at that position. So if I'm able to get mm-hmm. uh, Patrick Mahomes, you know, I'm not, probably not going to be rostering three quarterbacks. I'm going to wait and grab my mm-hmm. second quarterback later on. But if I wait and grab Deshaun Watson later on, I'm going to probably be looking to have three. And the same goes for tight ends. You know, if, if you have that stellar stud, um, I'm not really looking to be too deep at that position. I don't know. How do you, how do you feel about
2: that? I still always try to get three just because you know, God forbid, there was a few years ago Patrick Mahomes in that Denver game where he hurt his knee and he missed a couple games, and he hasn't QB sneak since then. But in the game of football, anything can happen on any given play. So even if I have an amazing quarterback, I'll still bring two with them just to have that. Again, like let's say, God forbid Mahomes tore ACL on a on Kyler Murray last year. Yeah. Uh, Kyler Murray was considered one of those elite quarterbacks, especially with the rushing upside and. He's out. He was out for the rest of the year after the injury. Uh, So, you know, at the very least, I would recommend you take their backup. So just that way, it's like, hey, if my star quarterback goes down, at least I have the backup in that really good offense. Yeah. And that way, that'd be your third quarterback. But that's just me. I I don't want to take a zero. So if anything were to happen. So uh, at that point, you're almost guaranteeing you don't because if you have the starter like a Josh Allen, okay, I have his backup if he gets hurt. So at least I will have I will have that offense the quarterback of the Buffalo Bills on my roster one way or the other. So like that's, that's how I personally will do it. That's
0: a good point. I have, so here's a question I have. And like, when I see, when I envision what like having a very successful best ball roster looks like it's hitting on some of these late round flyers we're going to talk about. So Mm -hmm. maybe a running back, let's say, um, you know, one of these second string running backs who uh, top dog goes down for five, six games out of the season, and you have him shoot up to being a you know low end RB one or an RB two. Um, so, what is like, what's the strategy? You obviously have to be careful for that, right? Like, mm-hmm. what's your strategy with adding depth at those running back and wide receiver positions with um, some of these guys lower down on the back depth chart? Are you stacking them with? You know, are you taking a Marvin Mims if you have Jerry Judy, or are you um, kind of just taking guys that you like that you think can have big games, and then take you know that luck comes along the way. You, you know what I'm trying to get at there?
2: Yeah. Well, for the running back position, I look at team the when the RB one is drafted, what they call the running back dead zone. Yeah. So like, usually anywhere is from like they, they it changes where you look, but it's kind of usually like round three to round six. And a lot of times if you have an RB going in that range, you might see their teammate going, you know, close or a little bit below that. And that's where I'm like, okay, this RB2 actually has a shot to either overtake the RB1 or if the RB1 goes down, they could easily, uh, you know, Zeke and Tony Pollard last year was a perfect example of that. Zeke was being drafted ahead of Tony Pollard, but they were both going within a couple rounds of each other. Uh, you know, James Connor and Chase Edmonds was another example of that last year. Um, there's a lot of these types of backfields. You could say Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet this year, like, uh, Kenneth Walker's the starter going in like round three, four and Zach Charbonnet is going in like the eighth, ninth round. Um, so these are running back twos that if something happened to the RB one, they're very clearly the backup. And they're very clearly, if they're getting 20 touches a week are probably going to be borderline like back end RB ones, high end RB twos. And again, you're being able to get them at a, a decreased cost. So with the running backs, that's definitely who I would try to target. And you'll see some things in camp, like take Tank Bigsby. Right now, there was a report about him coming out that when uh, I'll get to more about him later, but like he, uh, you know, they're saying he's impressed in camp. And right now it's looking like he's going to be the RB2 to Travis Etienne, who does not have a spotless yeah. track record with injuries. Yeah, so definitely, uh, he's a great guy that you could draft in a best ball and if something happens to ETN, he's going to be in every day, every week. He's going to be in your lineup. Like, uh, so I'd say the biggest thing is look where the RB one's being drafted and if he's not like a slam dunk in the first couple rounds, you definitely have a better chance of the RB two hitting and also the RB one's injury track record too. Well, Uh, as far as the wide receiver
1: position, oh, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. I I just thought you were done. I was going to chime in, but go ahead finish up. Oh,
2: no, I was gonna switch to wide receiver. Oh so yeah. If you, uh, well, yes. no,
1: I was gonna ask with running backs. It, it made me think of something like are, um, are you more interested in grabbing that solidified number two in that backfield, or would you be more interested in grabbing a running back for from an ambiguous backfield that's kind of up in the air, like, um, like for There's. example, the Roshan Johnson, uh, Khalil Herbert,
2: and uh, Deontay Foreman this is this is like the uh, biggest question i think in fantasy is do you take your own handcuff or do you take like uh somebody else's or do you, you go try to attack another backfield and then you could potentially have you know two rb1s i think in this format i like the going and getting somebody else's backfield so if you draft travis Etienne, i'm okay with letting tank be unless he you know falls at a really good value i'm okay with trying to use more picks to take shots at other backfields. Mm-hmm. So if you draft Travis Etienne and then you take a shot on a Roshon Johnson later on, you could have Etienne as the RB8 and you could have Roshan Johnson be like the RB15 maybe if he gets the, the number one job with the Bears. Um, you're shooting for upside in best ball. You're yeah. shooting for the best yeah, the team. The name of the game. Right and exactly. And if you have Bigsby and you have Etienne, only one of them is going to probably be in your lineup every week. You know, it, it's Etienne if he's healthy, probably or if Bigby, if Bigsby has a three touchdown week, the ETN is not in your lineup. So in this format, that's when you definitely want to go the highest possible outcome, which is getting as many different backfields as you can. Um, Obviously, if your starter gets hurt, you pay the price, but this is the format you definitely want to take those shots.
1: All right. Yeah, that's good. I, I appreciate that insight. Um, now, uh, what were you getting into with uh, wide receivers? Does that is, does the same go for wide receivers, or are you looking to have those number twos established rather than those uh, kind of
2: the you know the the New York Giants type of uh, wide receiver room? Wide receivers, it's, it's some of the same and some different. Wide receivers, you definitely look at offenses that have number twos that actually get targeted obviously like a team like the chiefs for example like you'll you'll see their wide receiver one be okay and travis kelsey and then their wide receiver two is kind of irrelevant most of the time you might have to team like the new york giants who this year is going to be a darren waller and then maybe their wide receiver one is okay you know whoever that's going to end up being whoever takes that lead but then their wide receiver two is probably not going to be somebody that's going to be in your lineup most weeks but then you have a team like the Bengals, t higgins or a team like the uh, the you know the eagles and devonta smith uh, where there's legit wide receiver twos that are going to be getting a, a 20 plus percent target share um if you're going to take a wide receiver twos make sure it's one of those offenses where they're the no doubt wide receiver two where they're the no doubt second target uh, that's the big thing for that and then in terms of if you're taking like later round picks on wide receivers look for guys that the previous season was, were getting on the field and running routes because if you're taking a guy that was barely getting on the field, like the first guy that pops on my head is someone like Jalen Guyton for the, the San Diego, uh, chart or the Los Los Angeles chargers. (laughs) Always mix that up. Uh, the Los Angeles chargers. He's barely on the field. Um, so yeah, he could have some amazing weeks, but he's not running a lot of routes as opposed to somebody like a Tyler Boyd who might, who's on the field a lot, running a lot of routes. So if something happens to T Higgins, guess who's, stepping up and getting the second most amount of targets on that team. It's Tyler Boyd, right? Uh, so that's, that's something I look at when I draft is I'll look at, all right, outside the top two wide receivers, who's running a lot of routes. So if something happens to one of the better wide receivers, who's going to be on the field running a, amount of, a good amount of routes and then also getting the ball probably thrown to them a lot too. So that that's kind of how I'll attack, you know, wide receivers. Tim Patrick is another example. He's, I'm going to get to him later too, but like he's, somebody that every talks about Jerry Judy and and Cortland Sutton, but Tim Patrick, man, Tim Patrick runs a lot of routes and he might sneakily be the best wide receiver with the Broncos this season. Russell Wilson talks him up a lot. So um, just do your research, figure out who is actually on the field running a lot of routes and who's actually being involved. And then again, they're going to maybe have a, a crazy week here and there, or if something happens to a starter ahead of them, they step up and they get a lot of targets thrown their way.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, so we were talking stacking. Let's get into our uh, favorite value stack. Um, I I'll kick it off just because um, I I like like I we've probably done what Ryan like maybe ten of these drafts so far. I, yeah, 10 and or 12. I always fi- <laughs> ten or twelve, and I always find myself at least pushing for um for this team and not just to troll on Ryan as we are he's a diehard Bears fan but I think that the Packers are gonna surprise people and I seem to love getting I I know you mentioned like wrist pass catchers and quarterbacks is like what you Mm want to focus on but I find myself loving Aaron Jones at his like 53.8 ADP um Mm -hmm. I just think like I think with Love getting settled into an offense, they're going to lean on him a lot, um, and he has caught balls in the past. But the fact that you can get Jordan Love at one hundred and sixty-one and a half, and then get Aaron Jones in that you know late fourth or fifth round um, seems very attractive to me because then you have the option of going Romeo Dobbs or Jaden Reed late. Um, you know, Jaden Reed's going at one sixty-nine point four. Uh, their tight end one is you know we don't there's just a lot of there's a lot of questions there and I just don't think they're going to be as bad um, as everyone thinks like they can just as easily get win the NFC North and the, as they could coming forth so I don't know what do you what do you think about that Packers offense uh, a lot of question marks but I think because of that there's good value
2: yeah I mean you you said it I think because there's so many question marks that yeah, there's a lot of value to be had there I think Christian Watson might be the most polarizing player in fantasy football this offseason I see people that are way out on him and people that are super in on him yeah uh, so we saw we barely saw we saw you know a little bit of a glimpse of him and Jordan Love or a little bit but um, as far as the Packers in general I probably will take the L this year. If they (laughs) do have a good offense, I'm probably just not touching most. I I do have Christian Watson and Scott Fishbowl because he fell like two rounds after ADP. So I I scooped him up. Uh, But I I don't think I'll have too much of that offense. I need to see it. Uh, I don't trust having Jordan Love on any of my teams. I, I, you know, especially as my QB two, Aaron Jones, I'm a little bit concerned about because he had four touchdowns total in 2021. And he had two touchdowns total last season and this offense I don't think will be nearly as good as it was with Aaron Rodgers. Again, maybe I'll be wrong. Uh, but they also, when they get in close, they have AJ Dillon there too. Who's their kind of more of a goal line back who I think could take touchdowns away from Aaron Jones. Uh, so th- I'm, I'm a little bit scared of that offense. Again, I, like you said, there could definitely be a lot of value there. Um, and, um, you know, Romeo Dobbs is also, you know, a great guy to, to potentially target as a wide receiver too in that. But, um, yeah, I'll definitely take the L if, if the Packers uh, have a really good offense this year. I, I just probably won't have too many of their guys. Yeah, I'm right there with you,
1: David. They're, I just I am, I am just waiting to see their demise this year, and I just can't <laughs> wait, man. I just as a speaking as a true Bears fan, I have watched the Packers just dominate for you know uh, the better half of two decades now. So um, I I just I hope they struggle. But on on the other side of it, um, you know, Mike and I have been drafting quite a bit of the Packers. You know, Aaron Jones, uh, on the other hand, I I hear what you're saying and you make a lot of good points. But I just feel that Aaron Jones is going to be a just a safety net for Jordan Love and kind of the uh, uh, help him with the the struggling, you know, getting into the whole motion of being the Packers quarterback. So um, but but absolutely Um, my value stack is uh, the Cleveland Browns. I like drafting Deshaun Watson. His ADP is right around 83.7. I love drafting. Mike and I love drafting Jerome Ford late uh, at 180, um, right around there. I I can't get enough of him in drafts. And then Elijah Moore at Mm -hmm. 97.1. You know, Deshaun Watson is one of the only later round quarterbacks that has some sort of established rushing history. So he has that Mm -hmm. upside with him. Um, I just think the team's going to be much better than it was last year and uh i mean jerome ford is set to be the number two behind chubb and we've seen throughout uh, the last you know five or six seven years or so that cleveland likes involving more than one running back so i expect to see him quite a bit uh, although chubb i do think will be the top scoring running back this season i think he's definitely capable of doing that but um yeah i don't know how do you feel about the browns as a value stack
2: i love it yeah i think elijah moore's in for a big year I love Nick Chubb. I'm right there with you. I think he's the RB1 this year. And I was a big fan of Jerome Ford coming out of college. And so I'm excited to see him get some snaps as the number two back. I'm completely in step with you. Totally on the Cleveland Browns for sure. Wonderful. That's great to hear. Uh, Who do you you have for a value stack? Uh, A couple that came to mind for when um, I saw this question, Justin Fields, i know he's not necessarily the biggest value at quarterback but at qb6 but dj moore's wide receiver 25 and i think he's gonna be a thousand yard receiver this year which by the way on Fanduel is plus money that he'll get a thousand yards this year Uh, he's had a thousand yards in three of his five seasons with really bad qb play i I do think that they're gonna have a a, be in sync a lot this year a little bit lower trevor lawrence at qb8 and calvin ridley at wide receiver 19. I think Calvin Ridley is going to shock people this year. I think people think he's out of football for a year and and his ADP is reflecting that I think he's going to be the alpha on this team. And Trevor Lawrence is firmly shown. I think flashes he's a top 10 quarterback and I think he continues to ascend in that way. So I think that stack is going to put up a lot of points this year. Uh, Lawrence with his wide receiver one, who is one of the better route runners in the NFL. So I think, you're getting Ridley at such a value right now. And then that's just the best ball ADP and a uh, redraft ADP. I think he's like the wide receiver 25. Uh, so that that's why I think he, it's way too much of a value right now for what that upside could be.
0: Do you think there's going to be some growing pains there for Ridley? Um, I mean, you you saw it with Watson knocking some of that mm-hmm. game rust off. Do you think you're going to see that early in the season and then him explode, you know, mid to late? Or do you think he's just been chopping at the bit, kind of come out balling?
2: I don't expect from week one for him to come out and put up amazing numbers. But I think when you look back at the season, he's going to be somebody that puts up 11 or 1200 yards and 10 to 12 touchdowns. Yeah. And he's the firm number one wide receiver on this team, target wise, reception wise, uh, you know, I see Christian Kirk's a very capable number two, Evan Ingram is a very capable pass catching tight end. So it's not like you can just focus on him. And that's going to also allow him, I think, to not get as much focus of the coverage early on. I think it's going to allow him to get his feet under him. Obviously, Zay Jones can stretch the field as well. There's a lot of good pass catchers on this team. Yes, I don't think it'll be happening right away. I'll, I would love to be wrong, but I, I think give him a game or two to get back to being in, in the league, and then he'll be fine. I mean, he's, he's, if you've seen the work, he's been staying in really good shape. Yeah. And the good thing for him is – I can't imagine being a quarterback and being out as long as the Sean Watson was where you're not able to be in the building practicing and you have to, you can't really practice being a quarterback cause you're not playing against defenses, right? Maybe you're just throwing to people, but it's the a whole thing being in a game with yeah. defenses and coverages with Ridley. He's still able to practice running his routes. He's still able to go against, you know, people guarding him. I, I think it's definitely a bit easier adjustment for him than it was for Watson.
0: Yeah. I'm a huge Lawrence guy. Um, I think he's going to take another huge leap this year. Um, you know, he's got some of those pass catchers he had last year that, oh, in Kirk and Ingram, like, you know, he has that game experience with them taken to a next level and then adding mm-hmm. just a complete weapon, um, like Calvin Ridley. So very excited to see what they do. Um, but, um, yeah, give us uh, give us some late round flyers. I know I mentioned, uh, it's, if you, if we, I guess we can just start at quarterback and work ourselves down, but, um, you know, uh, let's, let's see what you got there.
2: Uh, I'm going to give you a really late, late, late QB. I'm going to, I'm gonna try to go as really deep for all of these as I can. Same. Yeah. I'm going to check, double check what quarterback he is right now. Uh, he is QB 38 and that's Sam Darnold. Okay. (laughs) I think, I think that if we're talking about really deep late shots here, Brock Purdy, we have no idea if he's going to be ready for week one. It's still a question right now. Trey Lance is the number three quarterback as we're going into today. And uh, it does not seem like he is going to get a shot with this team. Sam Darnold has talked about, I've heard him on multiple podcasts this offseason. He's talked about this is the most professional organization he's ever been in. He said he's learned to be a quarterback better in this organization. And then obviously we've seen what this system has done for guys like Nick Mullins for guys like uh, CJ Bethard for guys, obviously like Jimmy Garoppolo guys like, uh, uh Brock Purdy, who was the seventh round or last pick in the draft. Like this is a very quarterback friendly offense and you have amazing weapons on this team. If there's any chance that Brock Purdy is not healthy and something happens, you have Sam Darnold quarterbacking this team and you get him at QB 38. He is a hundred percent worth the dart throw just for the chance that he might play snaps for them this season. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I love that. Uh, and honestly, like he's got an arm too, right? Like Mm -hmm. he's always been known for that gunslinger, uh, type of quarterback play. Um, so if he gets a shot, I'm with you, he could really,
2: and
0: if anyone gets a shot with this offense, right? Like exactly. Right. um, And and he's,
2: he's the number two behind Brock Purdy as it stands today. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: the guy that's not, um,
1: there's still question marks if he's ready for week one. one of their beat writers came out and said, he's the best ball thrower, the, the 49ers have ever had. So I, you know, I don't know how true that is. There's a, a a great list of uh, quarterbacks on that from that team, but um, yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't hate that at all.
0: I, uh, so I have Lance's mine. Um, And (laughs) I, there we go. Nice (laughs) segue. I've been pretty vocal about like Purdy being a game manager and Mm -hmm. the narrative of him and that being his team is all to just instill confidence heading in because they had every single piece to win a Super Bowl they had the best defense all mm-hmm. of those weapons and he was their only option so in, in an attempt to you know instill that confidence in him heading to the playoffs of course you're gonna do anything you can like this is your team you're our franchise quarterback uh, see what you can do and then he didn't it's it's not like he led a fourth quarter drive against the eagles and made a big throw uh Mm -hmm. to make them think that he is their franchise quarterback you know what makes him any different than garoppolo which is ultimately why they moved on from him he didn't do that so he just didn't get the opportunity right um but you know he certainly wasn't out there making plays with his arm um as you know a darnold could end up doing um so i just think trey lance does have an opportunity to remind them this training camp this is why you drafted me number three overall. Um, mm-hmm. And if that does happen, then um, then I think he's in a potentially the best position to have all the weapons around him and potentially win a Super Bowl in the next you know few years because they're they're certainly one of the teams that is sitting there with the opportunity. Um, so how's that going to play out? I think we're all cannot wait to see, but you know, very well, the, the Falcons could come knocking. Let's say Darnold ends up being the guy that wins it. And, um, I still think there's a chance that Lance could end up maybe on the Falcons. Uh, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I think I haven't seen myself taking Lance too much, uh, in best ball this far because he has to win that Niners job to start producing right now. And then even if he does get traded, what are the chances he plays this year? I, I don't know, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, as a QB 32 late round, last round flyer, that payoff could be huge. And I think, you know, similar reasons why you took, why you took Darnold.
2: If Purdy doesn't start, one of them is yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's value. If
0: one of us Just... is going to look really smart. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Well, my quarterback is
1: Brock Purdy. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. But um, no, my my late round flyer, um, I was toying with this idea. But um, since the recent news of DeAndre Hopkins signing with the Tennessee Titans, I feel like Ryan Tannehill is just left for dead. Um, A lot of people were discounting him as, um, you know, is Mm -hmm. he even going to be the quarterback for the whole season? I think he is. I mean, uh you know we were a few years removed from him being a top 10 quarterback like he was he he was very active and that the team won uh they were the number 1 seed in the AFC a couple of years back so um i just think that uh Ryan Tannehill is being drafted a little too low right now and i'm i'm willing to grab him as a late
2: round flyer i love that i, I think you're 100% spot on like He's not flashy, but he's being very disrespected right now, and he's still a very capable quarterback.
1: Yeah, and Hopkins, I mean, uh, Hopkins can make a a bad quarterback look good. I mean, let's be real. Hopkins Mm -hmm. is that good, so.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, Hopkins has made a career of making bad quarterbacks look good, and I don't think Tannehill is a bad quarterback, right? He's had some very successful teams. Levis does not seem to be ready really mentally more than physically uh and Malik Willis kind of had a shot there so totally agree um my running back was Jerome Ford so I'm going to pass it over to uh you David and um in picking a late round running back as Ryan stole mine in his stack <laughs> <laughs> uh
2: well there's two I really like Tank Bigsby we kind of talked about yeah. before uh he's really shining in camp and etn that has a spotty injury history also had trouble converting yesterday Or uh, i'm sorry uh, last year when he was in the goal line uh, i i forgot the exact statistics but his goal to go rushes were very poor and actually him converting so tanks bigsby is going to be the guy i think that they lean on when they get closer in the goal line a bigger back and Again, if anything happens to ETN, he's shown he's capable of catching passes and he's shown he can run between the tackles. And he also has enough speed where maybe he's not full on like a speedster, but he can get a long run if he needs to. So Tank Bigsby, I think is a big one. His, he's not as much of a value now. I'm looking at the Fantasy Pros consensus best ball ADP. Yeah, he's been rising. And yeah, now he's RB 47. So he's, he's continually starting to go up. The one that I'm, been hanging my hat on the most this offseason I think the player that I'm going to end up being known as for the most going in this year I haven't seen too many talk about him is Chase Brown of the Cincinnati Bengals that, that's I love that. that's my guy this year yeah, <laughs> yeah. he's like I, you know everybody talks about Kendra Miller or they'll talk about um you know uh, McBride with the Vikings or you know they'll talk about you know JSN all these other rookies I don't hear, ever hear anybody talk about Chase Brown And Chase Brown, obviously not great draft capital, fifth round pick, but this is a a three down back that the only thing he needs to work on is his pass protection. Everything else of his game is phenomenal. And he's in the best situation that I don't think people realize with Joe Mixon as the RB1 ahead of him. I was trying to pull up, I had some um, Joe Mixon efficiency stats, basically his yards per carry, yards after contact, uh, everything pretty much advanced metric. He went down majorly last season. And I can think he's going to continue to regress. He had to basically take half of his money that he was going to get just to stay with the team. Um, it's a guy on his last leg. And I think genuinely his just efficiency has been decreasing every single year. And who else is on that team? Well, you have Travion Williams, who has been on the backup for that team the last, I believe, two seasons. And he can't get any. You know, Savage P Ryan was the one who got the backup load, and he, they brought him in and, and kind of groomed him to be the RB two. Trevion Williams has been chilling as an occasional pass catching back. Same with Chris Evans. Chris Evans is not someone that's going to get a lot of carries. He'll play some third downs and, and be a pass catcher. They don't have a legit running back on this team outside of Joe Mixon besides Chase Brown. So if you know if Joe Mixon ends up being super inefficient, which I continue to expect that he will. There is one legit running back on this roster, and that's Chase Brown. So unless they go and they sign Dalvin Cook, or they go and they sign Leonard Fournette, or they go and they you know bring in one of these running backs, which I don't think they will unless Joe Mixon gets hurt, and they already haven't been signed. Chase Brown's the guy, and I do think even if they do bring in one of those guys, they're going to have Chase Brown go on the field, and Chase Brown's going to be super explosive, and he's going to be the guy. Man, I wish I drafted him. He was free in drafts, yeah. and he's going to finish as like the RB you know, like the RB 23. And, you know, he had some week, he had like five weeks where he was an RB one at the end of the season. Like he's going to be, I think that league winner, the somebody that you get on the waiver wire halfway through the season, that's going to be an RB two in your lineups at the end of the year. And I, I think he's the guy. So he's, he's my favorite dart throw this season.
1: Yeah. I love that. I mean, watching him at Illinois last year, he was a beast. And um, yeah, I, you know, I was really beating that drum with Mike. I was telling him all about Chase Brown earlier. This was prior to uh, Joe Mixon restructuring his contract. That kind of mm-hmm. had me back off a little bit. Um, you know, just the thought of Joe Mixon being cut or released from that team and then Chase Brown, it was like, let's go. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I love that. I'm drafting Chase Brown
2: wherever I can get him later on in drafts. I think it's it's actually good because if Mixon was cut, Chase Brown's ADP would have gotten out of control yeah and it wouldn't have been a value anymore but the fact that Mixon is staying I think is a better situation because again they could have brought in one of these other guys and I think they'll go into the season Dalvin Cook will be signed Leonard Fournette will be signed Zeke I think will be back with Dallas there won't be any of these guys out there and I, I think they'll almost by default if Mixon is horrible or he gets hurt like they're gonna have to go to him and that's why I think Again, you're getting him as like RB60 right now. So it, it's an insane value for what could be the number two running back in one of the league's best offenses.
0: Yeah,
1: who do you got, Ryan? Um, my running back flyer is Israel Abanaconda, the backup running back that. for uh, Brees Hall over in uh, the New York Jets, man. Um, it, it's not official. He is not the number two behind him. I mean, he's still got to beat out Michael Carter, but that shouldn't be that hard. And a Zonovan Knight. So I I expect him to be the full-fledged number two in that offense. And, I mean, I just think they're going to be an elite team all around. Um, And if I can get the number two behind Brees Hall, who's coming off this injury, like, we don't know how well he's going to bounce back from this. Um, but I think Abanaconda is still going to see some time uh, on the field and see some legit opportunities with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. I just, I, I want a piece of the Jets anywhere I can get him, and uh, he is real. is being drafted at like the two fifteen, um, so anywhere after that, I'm, I'm willing to take a shot on him. Mike, how do you feel about yeah. that?
0: Um, <clears throat> I mean, I will definitely say that I'm such a breeze hall guy that i'm just like i don't know i don't want his rb 2 i just <laughs> <laughs> i want to be all over breeze hall instead and like just keep riding out his production but you know the reality is that coming off an e injury like there's going to be someone else there i'm praying that that's not get delvin cook um but honestly like Dalvin cook makes a lot of sense going to the jets um mm-hmm. Because they brought in Aaron Rodgers to win a Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl like in the next two years, uh, and Dalvin Cook gives you the stability. If there's any hiccups in in Brees Hall coming back, so uh, I really hope he he doesn't end up a Jet. Um, I honestly think Fournette's going to, is going to the Patriots. I saw he was working out for him today. I just think the fit there is so well. Yeah. Um, so if they're off the table, then I think the Jets. You know, maybe you see the Dolphins make one more push, but I, th- I just feel like they would have signed him by now if he was going there. So I don't know. I think Cook to the Jets makes a lot of sense right now, and it scares me because
2: uh, I own him in Dynasty League or two. <laughs> I, I think the Patriots are the betting favorites right now to get him. Yeah, but that was before, before that was before Fournette, Fournette. Fournette workout. Yeah. yeah, I just think it makes so much sense. Like Fournette um, is at a point in his
0: career where he comes in and he's going to take a pretty good workload off of Ramondre, but also just be such a good mentor and like playing with Brady um, and where he, with his maturity level, he just makes like, he's just seems like he, it's a really good fit and he is a Patriot at this point in his career, but I don't know. Um, anyways. Um, yeah. So speaking of Patriots, I have Tyquan Thornton as my late flyer wide receiver. Um, okay. I think, you know, Devante Parker getting signed to a big deal, them not getting Hopkins. Um, In my mind, Tyquan Thornton's the best best ball receiver on that roster. Um, We heard the hype last year uh, all preseason and then him kind of getting that injury. I just think that he, you know, if you're going to see some big balls, some big plays out of Mac Jones, um, there's not going to be a ton, but they're going to go to Tyquan Thornton in my mind.
2: Yeah, I like that. He's already a, a deep threat and he's been in that you know, the Bill Belichick system. And, you know, if they don't bring anybody else in, he, he's definitely a, a value in draft. I like that call.
0: Yeah, 174 and a half ADP. So uh, that's where I'm going. Yeah, I think that offense is just going to be
1: much better this year with Bill O'Brien and, um, you know, Mac Jones. Uh, macaroni Jones, as we like to call him. But I just uh, I don't know. That's uh, it's. It's an ambiguous uh, wide receiver room, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, uh, who do you have,
2: uh, David, as your wide receiver flyer? Uh, I'll keep it simple here. Tim Patrick, who I mentioned earlier, wide receiver 76 in best ball. They said he was potentially going to be the wide receiver one when Russell came last year, and then he had the injury that he missed all season, the whole season. And he now, he's, now he's back. And Cortland Sutton seems like kind of an afterthought in this offense. Doesn't really work out well with Russ's game. I think Jerry Judy is definitely going to be the favorite, rightfully so, to be the number one pass catcher. But Tim Patrick, man, he's forgotten about a lot. And the fact that he's wide receiver seventy-six, when they were talking about him having the most uh being in most in sync with Russ last year, I, I think he's an insane value. Yeah, I like that yeah the
0: the broncos like so the broncos to me if i wasn't going to talk about the packers kind of to troll on ryan earlier but because i do like the value in some of those players i I, the broncos to me is a team that's going to make a huge step forward um so a guy like patrick i think judy's going to be really good there too just from how talented he is um Mm -hmm. but you know, Sean bringing Sean Payton and, and Dulcich. Sorry, Dulcich yeah, is Dulcich. another guy that I'm super high on. He's extremely mm-hmm. talented. Sean Payton, uh, between him and Russell, like just proven winners in this league. That they, they got to take a big step forward, um, and they got beaten up a little bit uh last year. Uh, anyone the head that was was excited about the Broncos last year and drafted, you know, Sutton and <laughs> Russell Wilson, it's got to be. One of the more frustrating, you know, first five, six weeks, however long you rode with them, they're just so bad. Um, so yeah, yeah, I was but one of them. Agree. I was one of them. It was rough. It was not fun. <laughs> it was not fun.
1: But uh, Tim Patrick, man, uh, the, I feel like he, the only thing about it, he has one of the most unattractive names in fantasy football. Like names are yeah. part of the fun, and Tim Patrick is just. I think yeah. if he had a much better name. Um, yeah, I feel like people would be a lot more on, on his bandwagon, but, um, yeah, I, 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 like that pick. Definitely. Um, my wide receiver pick, I was kind of dancing with a few of these guys and, um, I'm going to grab, uh, Michael Wilson, a uh, wide receiver for the Cardinals. Um, he's a, you know, your, your big bodied receiver, uh, kind of your, uh, stereotypical wide receiver one stature. Um, and I don't know, man, I, I, I I, obviously Hollywood Brown is going to be the the target hog on that team. And they're going to be playing from behind pretty much all season without Kyler. They're, I would say they're the worst football team in the NFL. So um, it's going to be positive game scripts for him. And uh, Rondell Moore is great too. I just, I, I think Michael Wilson could really work in and uh, be a, uh, um, a, a go-to target for who's ever playing quarterback. And honestly, I think mm-hmm. Kyler's going to come back pretty strong from this injury. Um, he was aiming to come back week one. Obviously, that's that's a stretch. Nobody really expects that to happen. But I could see him coming back as early as week four, and um, and looking to Michael Wilson as uh, the big play threat. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm willing to take him at. Uh, he's being drafted right around pick 214.
2: So yeah, he's a great pick. I, I'm a Greg Dortch guy myself. Oh, okay, but, uh, yeah, I definitely could see it. I could see it
0: yeah so another good segue to my tight end i had trey mcbride i'm all over trey mcbride i just think he was such a great pass catcher in college and he's stepping into a role that hurts uh you know had high production before getting injured i think it's kind of trey mcbride's time so there's a lot of question marks in arizona who's i mean is clayton toon going to be the quarterback week one uh is you know if they're let's say let's say Kyler doesn't come back till week six, and they're you know 0 and six. Does Kyler kind of punt that injury that you know coming back down the road a little bit uh, in hopes of getting uh, that one or two pick this next year? So I don't know. It, a lot to play out in that offense, but Trey McBride is someone that could step into a huge role and and thrive.
2: yeah, I like that a safety blanket for whatever rookie is in there you know whether it's clayton tune or you know, if they if they have anybody else step in there i think that's a good call yeah uh mine is jelani woods of the indianapolis colts yeah. oh yeah yeah he's he's a value right he's now freak. I've he been didn't knocking. even play yeah. yeah, he didn't even play the first like i think it was five games of the season he didn't get his first catch until the last week of september and uh kind of didn't really get too integrated in but all of a sudden uh right middle of the season against the pittsburgh steelers had eight catches on nine targets for 98 yards and after that game if you or if you include that game he had at least four targets in uh, five of his last six games uh you know three receptions for 19 three receptions for 43 two receptions for 28 one for 36. uh i think he was kind of their big play threat he's also a big target in the red zone six foot seven 253 pounds. He's definitely the number one tight end for this team. And Anthony Richardson, it's definitely gonna obviously fall on him if if, how much he's gonna throw to compare how much he's gonna run. Uh, But I think a big target like this in the middle of the field, I think is somebody that is going to be a value for where he's going. So um, the number one tight end for this team, and he showed flashes last year with really bad quarterback play. So I, I can't see Anthony Richardson being worse than what we saw last season from the qb position maybe even just his mobility will extend plays for woods to be able to get downfield more so i think he's definitely one of those great tight end two targets you can get uh, in best ball
1: yeah i, I love jelani woods man I, I grabbed him last year and uh just some of the some of the flashes that we saw from him he just he has such a promising skill set and just being such a big target <laughs> it's kind of he just looks like a man amongst boys out there on the field. He's just massive. Yeah, he massive. Um, my tight end, I wanted to talk about uh, late. Um, it's not not too late, but uh, I, I think it's still pretty decent. Is Mike Kosicki. I know we were talking about the the Patriots, yeah. and um, you know Mike Kosicki's already being you know uh, being uh, with the practicing with the wide receivers and playing in the slot while all the other tight ends are working on blocking. Like he's um, the Patriots are looking at him as a wide receiver uh, running back. Uh, uh, kind of, I'm sorry, wide receiver, tight end, a uh, hybrid. And I, you know, I, I could see him being a, a, a threat and in, in the red zone for the, uh, new and improved Patriots offense.
0: Love that. Yeah. Um, so I had, I have a couple of final thoughts after talking through that. I, um, one thing that you said, David, that stuck with me was about Rogers and, how he kind of didn't make that that Packers offense look very good. And mm-hmm. that scared me because <laughs> I agree, they looked so bad at times, and you do have a lot of those same pieces. I guess I'm hoping that as a Bears fan that saw Rodgers step into um, Favre's shoes and be like, you know, I mean, just rejuvenate and take off. I think the quarter, for my take's sake, I hope that – um, and a little bit of my bankroll's sake that I hope love does the same thing and grows mm-hmm. with some of those young pieces, but that stuck out to me. And then also Bigsby, like he's been pretty hot by most people, uh, here in the industry. A lot of people are on him. Like yeah. a lot of that hype is starting to build. And like you said, that, that value may not still be there because of it. I have a theory that NFL teams front offices are seeing franchise quarterbacks come in and like the comfort of a skill player that they've had success with in college. So you're Jamar chase to um, Joe, Joe Burrow, your ETN mm-hmm. to Trevor Lawrence. So because of that, I think ETN has a little bit of security on the field. That being said, you brought up a good point with his injury risk. Um, mm-hmm. So anyways, that's a little theory that I like um, and I hope continues to build like maybe, Um, I don't know, you see it with a Caleb Williams, some of these franchise guys, you see like a little comfort, you know, a little comfort blanket as they're Mm -hmm. adapting to the speed and the size of the league. They bring in kind of a comfort piece with them. So anyways, that's just a theory that I have.
2: No, I like it. That's a good theory. I'm just excited that we are like a month and a half away from 50 days. Yeah. 50 50
1: days. 50 days. Thank God.
0: Yeah, well, so thank you so much. So like we had, uh, we we had Bogman on yesterday to tie up our the end of our dynasty ranks. And we have uh, you on today to kick off our best ball tomorrow, we're going to do a best ball draft live on the Friday episode. So um, thank you so much for coming on. I mean, incredibly nice of you. I know you kind of shared your experience getting into fantasy, like people just you know welcome you with open arms you did the same to us so thank you so much for coming
2: on yeah we really class. appreciate it um, thank you guys so much for having me man. this was a lot of fun and you guys keep doing your thing I'm, I'm sure you guys are gonna take this pod places so uh, any way I can do to help you guys or anything just let me know
1: yeah we'll definitely gonna
2: uh, we'll probably
1: call you later on in the season and have you come back on <laughs>
2: Yeah, we'll
0: we'll get some we'll get some uh Chiefs so we'll get some Chiefs uh insight and hopefully uh maybe get another guy on with a rival fan base, get you guys talking shit before the season starts.
2: <laughs> yeah. That sounds awesome. Looking forward to it.
1: All right, great. All right, well uh, uh we appreciate you coming on and uh you guys uh buckle up everybody. If you guys are living under a rock and you don't know about the draft guide yet you need to familiarize yourself because this is the best draft guide on the market i'm talking the sports ethos fantasy football draft guide it is live now right mike it's live. we're live 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 live
0: the draft guide is live
1: <laughs> absolutely um yet yeah, i mean it's this is just chock full of tools you got positional rankings ppr rankings that's right but uh we cover all different bases I here we got um wide receiver reports running back reports you got do you guys want to know about the uh aging wide receivers who you should uh, curve and who which young receivers who are ready for a breakout i mean it's got it all it's you name it and it's covered on the sports ethos
0: draft guide yeah absolutely um i mean just for the amount of money it is and the amount of tools and i know the brains that go into it um some of the smartest guys in the industry um so go ahead spend the four dollars and unlock a pretty extensive guide
1: yeah absolutely um and if you got your drafts coming up soon one of the best tools i think they have on here is the draft strategy tool it breaks down all the different draft strategies that you need to be aware of going into this draft and um, you don't want to be drafting without it absolutely not so uh, again it's four dollars a month Uh, You can find it at sportsethos.com and uh, go and go and get you some. Right, Mike? That's right. All right. Uh, Well, we had a great time today with our uh, interview and our episode. Um, We hope everybody learned something about best ball. And hopefully uh, if you're listening and you haven't played best ball, go check out Underdog Fantasy. Go fall into a $25 uh, best ball mania draft. Hey, maybe you'll win $3 million. Who knows? Right. You never know, but it doesn't hurt to try. So uh, get out there and go play some fantasy football.